Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to the Texans Jags postgame show. Joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, the Texans beat a rookie six-round quarterback making his very first start thanks to a missed two-point conversion and a missed delay of game call on a Texans touchdown. So, huge win, right? <laughs> yeah, huge win. My goodness. Uh, he almost beat the Texans, just like Garner Minshew almost beat the Texans last year. So, <laughs> But you know what? With the Texans, a win is a win. We'll take it. And, you know, Romeo Cornell, he, he still just continues to do well against rookie quarterbacks, whether he's defensive coordinator, interim head coach. He's got a full season's worth of wins, Robert. He's 14-2. and two. So if you just you know put all of those that particular standing in there, the Texans have the best record in the AFC. They'll get a first round bye in the playoffs, and they'll probably win the Super Bowl. But but no, we can't do that. They're still two and six. We own Jacksonville, baby. We own Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's a team that's about as bad as the Texans. And when you think about how many players the Texans were missing, especially on defense. You know, it's amazing. If it had been some other team, they'd have probably put up 50, 60 points. But it's Jacksonville, and they they only put up 25 points. Well, they put up 25 points, and they still lost. So, yeah, the Texans definitely own Jacksonville. Before the game, if anybody hadn't heard, I'm sure you've heard it during the broadcast, but, you know, three linebackers missed the game because of COVID. Jacob Martin, Whitney Merciless, and Dylan Cole. So you got you to gotta give the defense a little bit of a break there. They also... Lost Bradley Roby, who was going to be back after the injury, but didn't make the trip to Jacksonville for disciplinary reasons, Stephen. And God, you miss Bradley Roby, you know, third play of the game. <laughs> Boom. Touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't get it. I mean, Bradley's a veteran. He should know better. The, the Texans already have coverage problems in the secondary. And then you lose a guy not because he was injured, not because he was on the COVID reserve list, but because he did something stupid, whatever it was. I mean, we don't know what he did, but whatever the case, it was for disciplinary reasons, and he didn't make the trip. So, you know, when that play happened, you're like, oh, my goodness, here we go. And then the Texans come back and score. I I almost had to check, Robert, what game I was watching because the Texans actually scored on their first two possessions. My goodness, when when is the last time that happened? Yeah, it's 57-yard touchdown pass to Sean to Brandon Cook's second play on offense, which, you know, how many times have I talked to you about this? Let's go down the field early in the game. Let's go down the field. Maybe he's listening because, you know, in that first possession, the, the Jaguars did theirs in three plays. Well, it only took the Texans two plays before that 57-yard touchdown pass. So Deshaun even bested it as far as, how long it took. It only took two plays, but it was it was definitely great to see the Texans open up on offense a bit. Yeah, they ran they still ran quite a bit on first down. And you know, I was watching John McClain on Twitter and I, I I've lost track of how many times he keeps saying, David Johnson on first down, not going anywhere. Duke Johnson on first down, not going anywhere. I mean the Texans are still gonna run on first down. Sometimes it's gonna work, sometimes it's not. But there were even some occasions where it did work a little bit. But they did start passing a bit earlier, and Deshaun did go down the field. And I did like to see Deshaun running a bit more. We did see some of that and him working his magic that way. So the Texans' offense definitely 
looked better in in many spots today. Yeah, I guess I say I, I should say I, I was thinking maybe more of the fuller plate. The Cooks one, it, it, it was more Cooks. It was kind of more after the catch, right? It wasn't right. It was a shorter. It was a shorter pass, obviously, and he turned it into a big play. Yeah, you just don't see the Texans going down the field early in the game, and you know I'll keep harping on that until I see that. I don't know if that's going to happen though. And with this coaching staff, Deshaun Watson, want to talk a little bit about him, Stephen, and get your thoughts because he was nineteen for thirty-two, uh, two hundred eighty-nine yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Numbers are not so bad, but they're not spectacular. The one thing that stood out for me, though, on a positive, he ran for 50 yards on 10 carries, which although some of the time it was he was running for his life, it was at least good to see him using his legs more. Well, and that is something we talked about, Robert. And as I just pointed out, it, it was good to see him running and, and playing to his strengths. I mean, that's what I said, I think, last week or the week before on this podcast. Whoever the Texans get in as a head coach, and, and even now – with Romeo Cornell being the interim head coach, they have got to put Deshaun Watson in a situation where he can succeed and play to his strengths. And that's what you saw today with him running more. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he, he led the team in rushing, did he not? Because that's, you know, the, the rest of the running game certainly wasn't there. Of course, David Johnson gets hurt. Duke comes in. He showed some sparks. He showed some flashes. But Deshaun using his feet, some of it running for his life, but he was still able to make some plays even with that. So I was very happy to see it. Yeah, you got David Johnson and Kelamete going out with concussions in the first half, a number of injuries, um, and also uh, some rookies playing, which is unusual. We haven't seen much of that. John Reed, fourth round pick John Reed, actually played in this game. 44 total snaps on defense from John Reed this season before the Jags game. And he played a little bit in this one. And Grenard, third round pick, Jonathan Grenard. Steven had three tackles in this game. You know how many tackles that gives him for the season? Uh, three, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was the three he's got for the season. Yeah, I'd, and and I had even said, I think, last week, when are we going to start seeing those rookies? Well, unfortunately, it, it came about out of necessity because of injuries. I mean, the Texans were decimated at you know at defensive back positions, linebacker positions. So you had to put Grenard in there at some point. But he, he didn't look bad. You know, Blacklock, and they made a couple of tackles and – uh, boy, Terrell Adams, talk about somebody who has stepped up, you know, in the place of Bernard McKinney. Terrell Adams has looked really good, too. Terrell Adams, also a uh, big one. He dropped an interception, and it looked like it just, like, fell right into his hands. The Texans dropped three interceptions in this game. It would have been such an easier game, Stephen, if Philip Gaines hadn't dropped two interceptions and Terrell Adams hadn't dropped one. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, Philip Gaines had a couple that uh, you probably need to put some stickums on his hands or something because they they were definitely. I think if if I'm not mistaken, one of them could have been a pick six. I mean, he could he could have scored easily if he'd have hung on to that ball. So yeah, the Texans had some opportunities. They did get one pick, uh, but they certainly had some opportunities for some more off the Jacksonville quarterback. Yeah, this game sort of gifted a little bit to the Texans. You get a quarterback, like I said off the top who was a six-round pick, making his uh, first start in the NFL. I, I am right about that, correct? <laughs> right, yeah. Luton, uh, yeah, he's making his first start. Uh, hadn't really played a snap since college, really. So, and you know, they didn't even have any preseason. So he didn't even get any preseason snaps. And on the third play, he throws a long touchdown pass. And then more luck, uh, the sixth drive of the game, right before halftime, you've got a six-play, 98-yard drive, but the key for that entire drive. It was one yard Duke Johnson touchdown, but the big key was a pass interference 
on a long pass to Fuller, which I thought was really not a pass interference because it looked like Fuller had no shot at the football. Uh, that's one that the ref should just let go. If you're a Texans fan, you go, Hey, we got a break, you know, and, 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 and that's unusual for the Texans. Well, when you're one and six, yeah, it is very unusual, but also when you're one and six, there aren't going to be too many fans feeling sorry for the other team because the Texans have certainly had their share of breaks not go their way. So, you know, those things usually even out at, at some point. Yeah, it was a questionable call, certainly, uh, regarding the pass interference. And there were probably a couple others that you'd have to say might have been questionable. So the Texans got some breaks. And, and like I said, if it had been any other team, there's no way they could have kept up defensively, I don't think. But you had a rookie quarterback. You have a team that, I mean, they the offensive core actually looks pretty good for Jacksonville. But their defense is definitely in a rebuild as much as the rest of the team. Yeah, we were the first team in maybe seven games that couldn't couldn't put 30 on them. The other big break in this game, uh, we talked about it off the top, and it was the break. They get a 76-yard touchdown to Will Fuller. But it should have been a delay of game. That was pretty obvious. Yeah, when they did, you look at the clock and there were zeros showing, and they didn't didn't blow the whistle. I mean, I thought for sure that that play was going to be called dead. And you know, thankfully for the Texans, I mean, talk about another break that went their way. There is no doubt that that should have been a, a penalty because the play clock stopped. Are you surprised that a delay of game can't be challenged? That's pretty cut and dry. That is interesting. I mean, you can challenge most anything else, but you know, once that play took place. There was no way they could even go back. So, you know, I guess my thing with challenges, I guess you you only get a certain number per game. So why not just make anything or most anything challengeable? Yeah, that is interesting. Well, they don't want to challenge, I guess, quote unquote, penalties. But that's really one of those things that's not a penalty uh, that maybe should have been a penalty. But that, to me, it's... That's as as simple as is the clock at zero and and or isn't it at zero? I mean, this is this is like one oh one stuff. It's just the the NFL. They're so weird. I mean, it's just it makes no sense. They make no sense. Yeah, they make no sense. And and like I said, if you only get a couple of challenges per game, you've got to be smart about how you use them. So what's the what what's the harm in making most things challengeable if you only have a certain number that the coaches have to be smart about? And you got to use it. You know, in a situation like that, I'm sure Jacksonville would have challenged it because that was a big play in the game. Before I go to defense, uh, I, I do want to go through the offensive possessions just really quick. And we mentioned the first couple touchdown to Cooks, field goal, Kaimi Fairbairn. By the way, 54-yard field goal, Stephen. Uh, I, I didn't know he was allowed to kick from 54 yards. Is, is Bill O'Brien... Uh, his, his ghost left, so he's now allowed to kick 54-yard field goals? My, my, how things have changed when Bill O'Brien's gone. It's almost like it's some of the things that if he would have the opposite of doing, the Texans are doing. So it was, yeah, I was a little surprised when they put him out there. He's going to kick a 54-yard field goal, and he made it, thank goodness. Then you got a, a three and out. Then there was the 59-yard drive that led to a, a short Fairbairn field goal. Duke Johnson fumble. He was stripped of the football. The one turnover for the Texans in this game. Uh, then there was the, we talked about it, the the six play 98 yard drive at the end of the half. Uh, then there was a, a three and out three play 81 yard drive. The, the, the big catch we, we mentioned to Fuller for the touchdown um, ninth drive, last three drives trying to kill this game out. They did a terrible job with it because you get two first downs and you punt 
uh, late in the fourth quarter. There was a sack on third down. And again, Stephen, it seems like I have to bring this up every single week, but Glaspia and Laramie Tunsil miscommunication on a stunt blitzer. The Texans cannot handle stunts. They cannot handle blitzes. This is an offensive line coaching problem. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the reasons Deshaun was running for his life so much during the game is they weren't picking up the blitzes. I mean, they even showed some DB blitzes uh, that I think he got sacked on one of them. So there's no question that the line has just got to do a better job and, and the, the fullback when he's in there of picking up those blitzes and those those stunts and other looks that the defense is going to throw at you. I mean, they're just going to do it. And as I said, that was one of the reasons that Deshaun was having to run so much today as much as he was trying to make plays. Yeah, the last two offensive drives, three and out, two first downs and punt. Let's go over to the defense. Um, we mentioned it off the top or early on we were talking about Luton to DJ Chark, 72-yard TD pass. Lo and behold, Lonnie Johnson and Vernon Hargraves on the coverage look like they have no idea what they're doing. It was easy peasy. Well, he was trying to strip the ball, if I recall, instead of tackling him, and he ended up running all the way into the end zone, so that was a big deal. Yeah, well, they weren't even close to the receiver when he caught the ball, which was a joke, and Lonnie Johnson not getting deep enough as a safety. You know, he get he got blown by, basically, in that situation. Uh, Lonnie Johnson as a cornerback has been a failure. Lonnie Johnson as a safety has been a failure. Lonnie Johnson as a second-round pick looks like a total failure. But we'll see. Maybe with a different defensive coordinator, maybe they can get him straightened out. I, I, I would like to give him another year to see what they can do with him. But it doesn't look good. The, the next couple of drives, next three drives, it was good. Three and out, one first down and punt, three and out. So one first down for over the next three drives. Then it started to look like the Texans' defense all over again. And you had a 12-play, 75-yard drive. Phillip Gaines dropped the interception on that drive. Uh, oh, th- there was a drive here, the, the sixth drive of the game. Um, Zach Cunningham, he flashed a little bit. He, he had a, a, a big uh, defensive uh, hit in the backfield, um, stop for loss, which we don't see too much from Zach Cunningham. And he had a sack. Zach Cunningham, the numbers aren't as big tackling-wise, but just because I saw those couple of plays that like actual plays were that just flashed for me that like, Oh, where there's Zach Cunningham making something happen. Yeah. And he did it back to back, which is even better. So, you know, in the same drive, uh, it certainly helped out the Texans defense. And uh, that's, uh, if there's one thing I would say about the defenses uh, and obviously, you know, some of this is on the talent level that we've talked about, they do get themselves burned and then they come back and show some flashes that they can actually make some stops. I mean, there's just a lot of inconsistency in this defense, and we saw it throughout this game. One of the things that pissed me off was um, Texans score that touchdown late, big, long drive, and there's not a whole lot of time left on the clock. So how do they take advantage of it? They're like, instead of going, oh, we, we, we got all this momentum going into halftime, the special teams was terrible. They allow a 40-yard kickoff return, and boom, boom, a couple of plays later, Jags in field goal range, 59-yard field goal. So Texans. That was so Texans. Yeah, I'd almost thought maybe Bill O'Brien had come back for a minute because uh, that that was a classic, you know, give them a chance to score before the half, and there wasn't even a whole lot of time left, but they didn't need it after that return. First defensive play of the second half, Vernon Hargraves, interception on a terrible pass by Luton, but Vernon Hargraves, 
hey, he got an interception. It was his first interception as a Texan, Stephen, in 14 games. Yeah, and he, of course, did it in, in front of his home faithful. I mean, he wasn't having a great game up until then, but that interception, I guess, canceled out some of those things. I mean, I'm sure he was happy to do it in his home state. Last few drives, you got nine play, 63-yard drive, 30-yard field goal. That got it to within 27 to 19. Uh, maybe the biggest play that we've seen from the defense all year was that stop on fourth and – there was a stop on third and fourth and short. That's as good as the defense has looked on in short yard, Stephen, in a long time. Boy, I'll say, especially when, you know, the Texans, and we, we've certainly criticized them every week for having such a weak run defense. But, you know, at that point, they were starting to figure out James Robinson, and they stopped third and fourth down, as you said. I mean, that that's about as big a, a, a series of plays that the defense had the entire game. I mean, that was the difference. And it looked like uh, they were going to close this out really strong because then you had the three and out, J.J. Watt with a sack, which was – the 100th sack of his career. He's 34th on the all-time list, halfway to Bruce Smith's 200 sacks, which is the record. He's not going to get there. Uh, I don't think at this point the injuries have slowed him down. But, you know, I don't I don't know if we're going to see in our lifetime, Stephen, 100 sacks by a Texans player. Just, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to see that a- again. Like, that's a lot of sacks. That is a lot of sacks. Yeah, you're, you're talking some very elite company when you're talking about Bruce Smith and Reggie White and uh, DeMarcus Ware and some of the company that, you know, J.J. Watt is in now. By the end of the year, he's going to pass some more people. I mean, there's a there's a log jam right in front of him. So including Will Fuller, ex-Oiler, former uh, guest of the show, Will Fuller. The, I'm talking not this Will Fuller. I'm talking about William Fuller uh, from the Houston Yeah, that Oilers. Will Fuller. <laughs> you had me for a second. <laughs> but yeah, that defensive lineman, yeah. Yeah, he he didn't pull a hamstring getting his 100.5 sacks. So in his career, that William Fuller. And then at the end of the game, last drive, this is it. Seven play, 80 yards. Luton with that 13-yard touchdown run. The defense just looked like they were clueless that entire drive. And then they just got bailed out by that terrible pass on the two-point conversion. Didn't even give them a chance, really. Yeah, it certainly didn't. I I didn't understand that play call, but... Boy, so many big plays that that went the Texans' way, and we talked about that. And, you know, the the missed extra point, and it just everything added up. The the Texans got Christmas early in this game for sure. couple more notes. J.J. Watt, and we we, we haven't gotten to this yet, Stephen, but he said he's not looking to be on a real rebuilding team. I think we know now this is his last year in Houston for sure. Yeah, I even saw a report today. I want to say it was on Sports Illustrated's Twitter feed or something that, you know, there, there's still reports that JJ is going to be traded sometime during the off season. And, you know, we don't really know, but it, it just wouldn't surprise me at this point. And, you know, JJ, obviously like most players, they, they want to get a ring. And if the Texans are going to be in rebuilding mode or if they're just going to go in a different direction and it's going to take them a while, JJ doesn't have that many years left. I mean, he's, he's definitely getting on the downside. So it, it, it stands to reason and if the Texans are going to trade him, you know, the, the sooner rather than the later to get something for him. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if this year is the last we'll see J.J. Watt in a Texans uniform. This year, the Houston sports community will have lost, potentially, over one year, they will have lost DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, 
Daryl Morey, and George Springer. Ooh. Uh, I'm glad I'm sitting down for that because that, that would jolt me back in my seat. That's That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Let's circle back to Will Fuller because it's now six straight games with a touchdown for him, five catches, 100 yards, and this quote after the game. Quote, he said, It really sucked just being shopped around like that, giving this organization my all, coming to work every day, very unselfish player, doing everything they asked, just to be shopped around. I did feel a certain type of way, unquote. Uh, Yeah, you worked really hard, Will, but you're not on the field a whole lot. I don't know if you've noticed that. And then (laughs) Romeo Cornell, though, uh, giving some plot ads to Fuller, he said, "I I think what we saw today is why I would only take deluxe nuts for Will Fuller. I, you know, I heard him talk about that earlier in the week. I think on another interview, he used that term deluxe nuts. It was before the trade deadline. And I just, there's just something about it. That phrase, the way he says it, I just couldn't stop laughing. It's just, yeah, deluxe nuts. Well, um, you know, Will's had a deluxe season, but he's got to do, he's got to do that consistently. But he of course is in a contract here. So you kind of it makes you wonder, is that going to carry over into the offseason? Will he want to come back after all that? Yeah, I'm not quite in your generation, Stephen, but you're you're not quite in Romeo's generation. Deluxe nuts is that some something from (laughs) from like that age? Is that a baby boomer thing? I don't know. I I don't know. We'd have to have to ask Romeo. It must be something in his generation. I'm. Thinking, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't even want to go there, actually. There are too many different ways you could take that. <laughs> what what did you think <laughs> this week of them not making one deal? And the reasoning they said was uh that their asking price wasn't you know, the asking price that they were getting wasn't what they wanted, or, or maybe they were saying what, what people were offering wasn't enough. Well, I would find it believable in this case. Now if it was Bill O'Brien, uh, you know, he'd be trading left and right and, and getting, you know, middle to late round picks for J.J. Watt or Will Fuller or, you know, someone like that. But no, I would tend to believe that. I, I know, you know, there were some teams that definitely called about Will Fuller, and I'm sure there were talks going on about J.J. Watt. But I, I would tend to buy that, that it was better to not make a move than to get them for peanuts instead of deluxe nuts, as, as Romeo said. Yeah, I don't know if they know what, these guys are worth because happy Jack has just been watching, you know, O'Brien's deals. And so he probably thinks, Oh, you, you get, uh, you know, you get a third round pick for Duke Johnson. So that means, uh, you know, if, if we're giving up a third round pick for Duke Johnson, then we should be getting two first round picks for Will Fuller. And, and that's not the way it works. <laughs> no, unfortunately for the Texans, that's not the way it works because I guarantee you, if a team had offered a first round pick for Will Fuller, I think that deal would have been done. But the team in question, that that was kind of the whole thing. I think that nicks the deal is they weren't convinced Will was worth what the Texans were asking. What would you give up if you were another team for J.J. Watt? What would you have given up this year? Because you would have him this year, potentially next year. I think his, his, his numbers uh, maybe in the high te- mid to high teens next year, a million dollars. What's he worth to you? Third round, second round? Where are you? I, I would say no, no higher than third round. I mean, I'd have to step away from it. You know, I love JJ to death, but I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He, he's still, he's still a worthy player, but he's not first or second round material at this point. 
JJ should have been traded, and I don't know why you wouldn't do that. And I can't imagine somebody wouldn't have given up a third round pick for him. And if you're the Texans, you take it because I mean, it, you do that favor to JJ first of all. Get get him somewhere where he's got a chance to win. He deserves that for what he's done for the city, but also. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get in the offseason because his value is going to go down. With somebody like Will Fuller, you know, they said that he, he wasn't on the block and whatever. I, I, there is a reason for not trading Will Fuller, Stephen. You know, there's a lot of Texans fans that's like, you know, just start trading everybody. But, you know, Deshaun Watson and, and Will Fuller have a little bit of a connection this year. Like we said, there, there's touchdown passes. He is somebody that helps Deshaun Watson out a lot. And you've got to do your best to keep Deshaun Watson happy at this point because he's all you got. Well, he's certainly the best you've got. And I mean, you trade him now, who's Deshaun going to throw to? Yeah, Brandon Cooks and you got Randall Cobb. And it was good to see Jordan Akins come back. We hadn't talked about him. So at least he's got a weapon. But you don't have a legitimate threat, number one receiver, if you trade Will Fuller this year. Now, if in the offseason you want to go out and get some guys, if Will Fuller walks... Well, that's one thing. But right now, you've got to keep him on. And as far as J.J., I think I even said last week that if the Texans were going to trade him, they would need to do it now, not in the offseason or next year, because as you just pointed out, his value is going to go down. So, you know, they they may very well trade J.J., but they're not going to get for him what they probably would have gotten for him if they had traded him before the deadline. Yeah, the, the only guys that I, I think are tradable because the defense is just filled with a bunch of bad contracts, a bunch of guys I wouldn't want if I were another team, and a lot of the guys, no, guys no. on defense stink. Offensively, I mean, you, you, you Brandon Cooks, now you're going to trade him, and you're you're not going to get anything close to a second-round pick what you gave up for him because you were stupid for doing that. They just look like total idiots if they you know, trade him for like a fourth or fifth-round pick or something like that, which is probably – what he's worth with his contract. And Steven, the only guy that would have been worth anything is I think Bradley Roby would have got you something, but does he do any better than maybe a third round pick? And you, you should get a third round pick compensatory if, if you let him walk after his contract. So I don't know if it's worth getting rid of Roby and he's the only good cornerback you got. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, we saw today. I mean, they hung in there, but yeah, we definitely saw where, uh, they could have used Roby's skills, but no, I don't think he's above a third rounder. I, you know, Deshaun Watson is the only player that is even worth a first round pick, and the, the Texans are certainly not going to trade him. I, I just can't see anybody else that could garner that high a pick on offense or defense. I want to move over to the Rockets for just a second because there was an interesting quote from Daryl Morey when he took the 76ers job uh, in his little press conference, and, and I want to get your reaction, Stephen. Morey said to have two. Sp- Two star plus players at 24 and 26 years old. That is why I couldn't get Doc Rivers to come interview in Houston because he saw the Sixers rocks roster and said it was amazing. So that doesn't say much about the Rockets roster, Stephen, because the Sixers, they are mediocre in the East. Well, that's true. I mean, he may, unless he's talking about the upside that maybe he can get a coach like Doc Rivers to work with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. And, and some other things that came out is, you know, Daryl said that he really had to be convinced to come to the Sixers. I mean, they, they just wouldn't let up. They, they wouldn't let him alone. They wanted him there. And he just couldn't resist working 
with Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So, yeah, it sounds like he's definitely bought in to the fact that the Sixers have two legitimate stars who, you know, yeah, okay, they're younger than James Harden and Russell Westbrook, but are they capable of doing even half the things of what James Harden has done with Rocket? And one thing I, I, I have to say about what he said, when you start thinking about it, if Doc Rivers likes working with two young stars, as opposed to somebody like what he's saying is James Harden, who Doc apparently would consider old, then all this talk about Daryl immediately wanting to run in and trade for James Harden with one. And if you're going to trade for James Harden, you're giving up Simmons or Embiid. There's no question that one of those two guys would be part of the deal. Why would why would Doc Rivers then sign off on that if he wanted to do the two young stars and two the, instead of the two older stars, unless this is all about Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, that's what I kind of think, too. And I, I heard those reports, too, and I, I didn't really buy into them. And I, I certainly don't think it's going to happen now. Other Rockets news, semi-Rockets news, just a, an anniversary I want to throw at you, Stephen, because 45 years ago this month, the Houston Summit opened up. The official grand opening was November 1st, 1975, and everybody knows it now as Lakewood Church, of course. Uh, Stephen, I, what, you know, what do you remember about uh, the going to the summit? What, what, what are your big memories from, from that? I mean, most people are, of course, immediately think of the two championships, but you know, is there something that you remember? Because I, I know you were going as far back as in the 70s. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember, you know, before the summit, the Rockets were playing in Hoffines Pavilion. So there's a big change for you. You know, my first memory of the summit was actually not a Rockets game. Um, it was the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. I think I was in, I was probably 14 or 15. It was maybe a year or so after the summit opened. Um, you have to understand that I shuttled back and forth between Houston and Austin when I was a kid. So I didn't go to a lot of Rockets games or, you know, a lot of the sports teams. I went to more Astros games, I think, than anything just because they were in the summer. So my first memory of the summit was actually the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I mean, I remember walking in and I think I may have been to Hoffines Pavilion once. And I'm thinking, man, th this place is like this place, like the Taj Mahal is this huge. It was just, you know, at that day and time. It was pretty neat to walk in and just, and it was brand new. So, I mean, it's obviously a, a lot has happened since then. A lot better arenas and stadiums have been built. But that was my first memory of the summit. It just was so cool to check it out when it was still new. Yeah, Ringling Brothers, they no longer exist, right? That's right. They don't. They sure did. Let me see. Oh, one one other note, and uh, if you got anything else, just throw it, throw it at me. But the last note that I had: new Red Sox manager has been named. A new Red Sox manager. Huh. Drum roll, please. You mean a new old Red Sox manager, don't you? What do you think about old Alex Cora back as the Red Sox manager? I totally don't understand it, Robert. I mean, why do you fire the guy right before? You know, when he wasn't even on the club, I mean, this had nothing to do with the Red Sox. It had to do with the Astros. Why do you fire the guy? And then as soon as his suspension is up, then you go, oh, well, yeah, maybe we should just go ahead and bring him back. I, I don't understand that. Why didn't you just let him serve his suspension, put an interim manager in there and, you know, and, and just bring him back then? I, I just I, I didn't understand the move. Um, that would be like the Astros just going ahead and say, well, 
we'll just go ahead and bring AJ back and let, you know, we're not going to pick up Dusty's option. Let's just bring AJ back. I could even see that more than Alex Cora, but either way, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, AJ only cheated on one team, and Alex Cora cheated on two teams. On two, exactly. Although he's, although the big claim is, oh, I'm, I didn't really cheat on the red. That was this some guy I didn't know about was doing whatever that we didn't know about. Blah blah blah. And I believe that about as much as I believe, you know, Jeff Luno is just you know totally Mister Innocent, totally in the dark. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this also that hey, uh, what? How's that going to look in Boston? You're they're going to. Probably give Alex Cora a standing ovation is my guess. He's going to get introduced first game. You know, I don't know if there's going to be 5,000 people there, 10,000 people. I don't know how, what's going to happen in a few months. But how, however many people they're going to allow in the building, I think there's going to be some some people in, in, in baseball stadiums this year. But he's getting a standing ovation for moves ever in that building. And then, you know, A.J. Hinch is going to roll in with the Tigers. Same deal, same staff. Same exact situation. We booing AJ Hinch in Boston. Are you going to boo him? Of course they are, because they're fans, Robert. You know they're Boston fans. They're East Coast fans. Yeah, of course they're going to they're they're going to cheer Alex Cora because he won him a World Series. Never mind, they had a pretty miserable season the year after that. And yes, of course they're going to boo AJ Hinch because well he's on the other team. But I guarantee you, whether it's Alex Cora, AJ Hinch, Carlos Beltran, whomever. If they're in Boston, they're going to be cheered. Unless, of course, they start losing and they start finding reasons to boo them, then they might come into play. But, yeah, right now, oh, they're going to give Alex Cora a standing ovation, even if there's 2,000 fans in there. Yeah, the only th- other thing I, I've got this week, and, and let me know if there's anything else on your mind, but uh, Dana Holgerson looks like he might be uh, coaching for his life next year. Two and three on the season at this point, and I, I know it's COVID and there's a lot going on and – you know, they've had to cancel games and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, two and three is not a good start. Didn't look good last year. Uh, I don't know how much longer the leash is going to be at U of H. I mean, they don't, they don't like losing that much. No, remember Major Applewhite? I think they were telling him, hey, eight and th- was it, was it nine and three? That's not good enough here. Yeah, eight and four, you can get you fired. Yeah, the president uh, famously said those words, president of U of H. So, yeah, and you're paying Hogerson all that money, a whole lot more money than you paid Major Applewhite. So it's certainly not inconceivable. I just, you know, the, the Cougars just, they look so weak on defense. I, I don't really think much of Clayton Toon as a quarterback. He shows some flashes, but yeah, that team has got a long way to go, I think, before you're going to see them among the elite if they ever get there anytime soon. I That was one of the things I was just thinking about before you brought it up, Robert, is just how miserable a season U of H has had. And it took them forever just to play one game. And now they played several and it looks like they might as well just go back to not playing any games. So the Texans get the win. Uh, they are now two and seven. Uh, is it two and seven now? Is that right? Two, two and six. Yeah. Yeah. They need to win eight more games in order to finish 10 and six and have a chance to make the playoffs. It, it can be done, right? Yeah. They might expand the playoffs too. So there's that. And they might. <laughs> And as far as the NBA is concerned, I, I, I skipped by this, but they're going to be playing basketball on December the 22nd. We're like, we're like, what are we, six, seven weeks away? <laughs> yeah, and I guess training camp's going to get underway December 1st. So uh, hope you players that were in the bubble in the playoffs and won the championship, hope you enjoyed your vacation because it was a real short one. I hope you got everything in because you're going to be going back to it in less than a month. 
Wow. Just, uh, that's crazy. I, I feel like I need a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a cleanse from basketball, but okay. I mean, it's, it's good for us cause we got more stuff to talk about. So that's, that's the good news. I'm interested to see what the Rockets are going to do in their six week off season, because they've got some things to do, including, uh, uh some moves to make that, you know, they, fill, they need still need to fill out their staff as well. Um, as, as you and I are speaking on Sunday evening. So, uh, don't forget, messages through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. The site, you know, as always, HoustonSportsTalk.net. If you don't know, go there. Uh, if you're not following us on Facebook and Twitter, please do so. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.